Welcome back, everyone. This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average, everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on most streaming platforms. Just search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. You can also check us out on our social media pages, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest episodes and up-to-date Chiefs news. So I know it's been quite a bit, uh, uh, Rich, you know, us getting together just because you know, it's starting to be the holiday time and uh, also busy schedules with everything going on. So I know we're kind of catching, playing catch up, I think, pretty much at this point uh, for some of the uh, past games or uh, reviews from at least the last two weeks. So uh, before we get actually get into that, just, uh, I guess, kind of roll quick thoughts, uh, see how your Thanksgiving went uh, this past week and what are your thoughts so far um, as far as on the World Cup as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think... Uh... We probably overeat anyways, um, you know, any day of the year. But on Thanksgiving, it's the one holiday you have the excuse to completely overeat. And, you know, you do that without a doubt, right? Eat right. way too much of the exact same food, usually two, three times a day. Um, that was not an exception for me this year. Probably been for the last three days. So we're looking <laughs> for today to just be a normal eating day. I might not even eat, man. I've eaten so much. Uh, in the last few days, so uh, but yeah, and then and I, I noticed that too. This year, I felt like it was it was more than normal. I don't know if it's just because you know, obviously, you know, we kind of still been in the pandemic, obviously, with the last one last year, and obviously the year before that. So I felt like it's like now you're kind of making up for a little bit, you know, more it's more so this year. So I could see that too as well. Oh yeah, I feel like every year I say that where. I'm like I ate so much this year, but it's the same thing. I eat a lot every single Thanksgiving, and it's the exact same food, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, we give ourselves that leeway, right? So yeah, what's what are your thoughts so far on? Um, I mean, obviously, this is a, a strange World Cup year with it being during the holidays here in the United States, and um, you know, obviously, I guess you could speak for um, at least I can speak for you know. USA as far as on their soccer where they came with a, you know, a pretty good tie with England the other day. Um, you know, uh, obviously no one scored, but they at least got a point. Now they have to go up to a um, basically win or go home against Iran. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts about, I guess, obviously, you know, Mexico for you and then also uh, just, you know, other teams uh, in the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, directly speaking on the team that I follow the most, right, Mexico, the World Cup has gone where I expected it um, or how I expected it to go. Um, Mexico's had a lot of trouble creating chances. Um, and if you can't create chances, you can't score goals. And they have not scored yet, right? So um, probably played better than Poland in the first game, but definitely didn't play better than Argentina. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it is a tournament and there's still a chance for Mexico to advance past the group. I don't think they will. Uh, that was kind of our thought process before the World Cup. But um, aside from that, I mean, the games have been very World Cup-ish, right, which is what you want. You don't just want the big teams winning games. I mean, you see Japan take down Germany. Um, even just this morning, right, with uh, Spain beat Costa Rica, what was it, 7-0? And then Costa Rica beats the team that beat Germany 1-0, right? So Costa Rica beat Japan. Right. So that's what you want, you know. I, I like things like that where there's a little bit of um, – mystery with who's going to win the game um so on and so forth so it's been fun and being a sports guy right you're watching sports in the morning and then there's some kind of sport at night 
with all the local NBA, NFL mm-hmm. um, games going on. So, so it's cool. It's a great time of the season. You know, we're really busy with work. So um, you kind of get to have stuff on in the background. And then, you know, when you're done working, you can go watch NBA and college basketball games um, during the week. And then on the weekend, right, you've got football from both college and pros. So it's very interesting this year, obviously, like, you know, because it's the World Cup being at this time. So, um, you know, Thanksgiving, you're normally like, oh, we got football all day. And then obviously recently they added the, uh, the, the night game. So you had three games. But then you add a World Cup into it. You pretty much have like that all day, too. So it's like literally from the time you wake up, even maybe even the time before you wake up all the way until you go to sleep on Thanksgiving this year, you had something, something to watch. So it was kind of very, very interesting year. And then I don't know how you felt about this, but um, with all the college football games on Friday, it almost made you thought like you missed a day and and you went to Saturday because mostly most of those games are on Saturday. So you had all those rivalry matchups on Friday. And I was like, man, I thought it was already the weekend. So it kind of threw me off there. But what are your thoughts about like all those just different games, like, crazy this week i guess you would say oh yeah for sure i mean um there was definitely a a good variety of matchups or selections on tv right now probably didn't watch as much sports as i normally do on other Mm -hmm. thanksgiving just because it's a very social thanksgiving for me but even yeah friday um i don't you know i don't really do black friday shopping anymore but um just being out and doing stuff and and all that, and we had a family event again. So, yeah, I didn't really get to watch sports until I got home Friday and kind of, you know, caught some highlights. Even yesterday, um, you know, got to watch one game and then a little bit of the Miami Hurricanes game at night when I got home because, again, right, I was out doing family stuff. So, right. Uh, but, yeah, there was definitely – I mean, I think I fell asleep watching the Stanford-UIU um, game. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm say I'm saying there with you. I think with the way online has transferred over with um, shopping, um, I think a lot of people just don't do stores uh, right. anymore. And especially, it's now allowing for retailers to actually close on Thanksgiving again, which before they started getting these uh, Black Friday sales earlier and earlier and earlier. You know, they were starting Wednesday night um, into Thanksgiving. Um, so now I think now with the online sales and how that's doing, and most how people shop, they don't really have their, need to have their store open on Thanksgiving anymore. So, yeah, it's kind of trending that way that why would you go to the store on Black Friday or, or even, you know, so much Cyber Monday, even though Cyber Monday is basically online anyways, um, right. to get the same deal. Like, why and, and you get free shipping. So what's the point, really, at that yeah. point? So, um, so yeah, so basically what we're going to do today is, since we kind of a little, little catch up here um, uh, for the last couple of games, we'll just kind of do a quick rundown, at least for the last two games, um, just kind of give us, um, you know, our overall thoughts kind of on the game um, and kind of how it went. So, uh, obviously, first of all, we'll start off with the uh, Week 10 game, which we had the Jacksonville Jaguars from, like, pretty much a back-to-back uh, games at Arrowhead for the two games in a row, um, which we ended up beating uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-17. So, I guess, Rich, I'll kind of get your first thoughts on what are your thoughts on that game. Yeah, so for me, I think kind of what I mentioned in our preview, right, is that the score would maybe be a little bit closer than what the actual game went. And although the Jaguars stayed close and they had opportunities to even, I guess you could say, take the lead a few times, they didn't capitalize them. I mean, and they did what they have done a lot of this year, right, where they kind of self-destruct or 
uh, miss certain plays or get penalties in bad spots, you know, turnovers. Um, and at the end of the day, that was the difference is you got one team that executes and one team that doesn't, which obviously I know that that is, you know, how sports work, right? But the right. Jaguars just don't execute a lot more often. They're a young team, right? And and they make young team mistakes, and they did that versus the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are very much in neutral. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I can't prove that Andy Reid kind of takes it easy on games like that. But, I mean, with Doug Peterson being, you know, his boy, guy that he's worked with forever, right, since the Packers days, it seemed like he definitely played a very vanilla, neutral-type game. And the Chiefs looked like they were just on, you know, in second gear. They never really took it to third gear. Um, and overall, the score maybe wasn't a reflection of a very one-sided game, but I think it was. Um, like yeah. I said, with with the Jaguar being in positions to where they could have made plays and they didn't, whether it was penalties, turnovers, or just lack of execution. Um, but, yeah, really, at the end of the day, um, the Chiefs handled business as I thought they would have. So what were your thoughts on, um, I don't know if you if you remember, uh, about the opening coin toss where um, we actually won the coin toss, but there was a mistake made. And I, I, we, I can't ever remember who actually made the mistake. It was one of our players out there. But when we won the toss, we um, elected to receive, which I thought was really weird at the time um, that, you know, obviously when the home team wins a coin toss, normally they want to elect to kick, right? And you play defense to start off the game and you get the ball start of the second half um one of our players i guess got something messed up and they said that they won the ball to receive well that kind of threw off a little bit of things because obviously you know when you watch the game you know doug peterson elected for that onside kick to, to start the game so i think something happened there with that i don't know what your thoughts are on that but i thought that was kind of weird that maybe there was a lot of confusion on the Chiefs side and that's where Doug Peterson was like, hey, we're just going to start off the game. We're going to do this onside kick. I did not know that, but I do remember wondering why we were receiving. I was like, we must have right. lost the coin toss. Mm -hmm. So no, that's a good point. I mean, they didn't, I don't know if they said anything on TV or I wasn't paying attention to the kickoff. But, yeah, I mean, that was weird. So I guess was it something that they mentioned at the stadium or something you found out after? I found out afterwards on it, okay. uh, but that because we're sitting there in the stadium confused too, because I've never seen. Well, obviously, I mean, it probably does happen depending on you know how your defense and offense is. You know, it might they might be reversed. But as far as on the Chiefs and at least the last what four or five years when the offense has been really good, I think when we've won the coin toss, I want to say, I I don't even think there's. I think it's probably a hundred percent chance that we've always elected to kick. Um, first, we won the toss, but. Yeah, I found out that whoever what it was, I think you know there was an offensive line player or whoever it was that decided to receive um, might have got the wrong news or or maybe said something wrong. But yeah, that's that's in the end up what happening. And then I think Doug Peterson was like, "Hey, they're they're kind of like caught off guard right now. You know, what's going to go ahead and start the game with this onside kick?" But that's what I kind of gathered out of that um, that part of it, anyways. Well, that makes sense. Now that yeah. explains why we. Receive the opening kickoff. Right. Um, and then, obviously, you know, in, in this game, um, you know, Kadarius Tony made his debut, which, you know, we kind of thought that, you know, he would probably be obviously slowly um, incorporated into the offense um, and actually scoring his first ever, um, you know, career touchdown um, in the NFL and also as with the Chiefs. But, um, you know, obviously he was what well, I think he ended up having about four catches 
um, for 45 yards, I believe, something like that. And then, and then also he had two like runs too as well. But um, as far as on this game, kind of getting him a little incorporated, obviously he played more as the game progressed because um, Juju Smith-Schuster went down with that uh, flagrant hit, um, you know, basically to the head, which, you know, obviously wasn't called as well. But uh, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, Tony's debut and um, you know, kind of helping out that receiving core, at least most part yeah, of the game there? It was like the perfect game to display his skill sets and everything that people had said about him, you know, from his days at Florida, right? Um, athletic, um, that one catch right where he went up and went up to get it, um, you know, that showed his athleticism, his hands ability, just a playmaker overall. Yeah. Um, so that was good. That was nice. Uh, definitely had some fantasy pickups. I'm sure Kudori Sony was a – one of the highest fantasy pickups that week, or I guess you can say the week after. Um, and then the, the Chargers game, he reminded us of why he's good Darius Tommy. So, yeah. Or why he got traded, I guess you can say. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, Mahomes finished the day with another, you know, great day with those four touchdowns um, over 300 yards. But yeah, and then the Chiefs, I think, had a total of about close to five for nearly 500 yards. Um, even though turning the ball over three times in the game. But like you said, um, you know, obviously from our preview, Colin, going into it, we kind of expected uh, the Chiefs to take care of the business of uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the funny thing is, is um, I didn't get to mention this, because we did when we did the preview, you know, obviously we do our score predictions, and I predicted the Chiefs to win 30-17. Uh, to 17. So it was pretty close with 27-17. But there towards the end of the game, uh, you know, they're running the ball, they have the ball, and I'm like, all right, Pacheco, it's like third, and, I think it's like third and two or third and one, something like that, right, when we have the ball at the end. And I'm thinking to myself, like, in a negative way, I'm thinking to myself, like, don't get the first down so we can kick the field goal and I get the score, like, 100% right. But he ends up getting the first down, and then they just kind of need the ball the next the next play. But I thought that was kind of funny that it literally came down to, like, that last play could have gotten, like, the score, like, 100% right. Um, first time ever, right? First time ever, <laughs> so that would be funny. But – uh, but, yeah, so, like I said, the Chiefs, um, you know, obviously win that game, um, you know, move on to, I believe at that time it was, so what, 7-2, and two, I think, after uh, that win. So, um, yeah, definitely helps us, help us, helped us out. Um, I, was that the game, that was also the game where Buffalo lost, right, to move us in the first place? Um, I think they had, I want to say That's they played. They lost to, I'm trying to not look it up. I know. Because <laughs> they lost to Minnesota. Right. I can't, oh, it was just right because the Minnesota game was uh, – it was it was right after it, um, right? Or No, I but the see. Minnesota game was the jab – or was, uh, the charge, was the morning of the Chargers game, right? Or no? Man, I have – I know it's kind of crazy and I have to kind of no, go back and look. I know, <laughs> right? It's like I've been wanting to look at that too, but I was like, I think that was when – Oh, they lost to the Jets. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think yeah. they lost to the Jets because they. No, you know what? I guess it was the Vikings in the Bills game. Because then they beat the. Yeah, because they just beat the what Lions. Yeah. And then the week before that, they beat the Browns. And right. two weeks ago, they beat. The Vikings, or sorry, I get, lost. The but I couldn't remember if it was was it during like the same <clears throat> time or like the yeah. game was okay because we found out that they lost on the way home from the game. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. So yeah, you, I was. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like uh, I forgot what I was doing, and the game just automatically changed to the Bills game, or, or no, they were on Fox, I think. So yeah, that yeah, makes sense. I do remember whatever game was on, they cut away and they went to the 
Bills Vikings game. Right. So then, yeah. So basically, from that Jacksonville Jaguars game, we kind of found out afterwards when the Bills lost to the Vikings that we ended up taking over the number one seed, and obviously the Bills at that point, you know, fell fell all the way from one to number six. Um, obviously, I think since then they're number four now, or I believe. But uh, yeah, they uh, kind of kind of dropped there that far, and we kind of took over that number one seed for at least for the time being. Right now, still currently as well. So. Um, all right, so then going into obviously the last week, um, you know, with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, sorry, um, oh, man, I'm about to say San Diego Chargers. I said Los Angeles Chargers that time. Um, <laughs> with it being us winning 32-27 in another close game that we always seem to play the Chargers like super tough, whether it be at home, on the road. Um, lately, obviously, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes have been good games to watch. Uh, so what are your thoughts, uh, obviously, on last week's uh, close uh, win? Yeah, I mean, like you said, right, they're always close games, um, especially there in Los Angeles. They seem to be even better than here in Kansas City. But, I mean, just really good games overall. Both teams play well on offense for, I guess, up until the last drive, right? And really my, my ending thoughts are Keenan Allen is so good when he is actually active. Um, Justin Herbert is, I think he's, you know, arguably the, the top five most talented quarterback in the NFL. I think Brandon Staley doesn't maximize his, his potential. Um, and I mean, I think he's developed just because of his pure talent. And really at the end of the day, um, the one liner is they gave Patrick Mahomes too much time there at the end. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a minute 46 exactly whenever the Chiefs got the ball back right after the Chargers scored. And that's an eternity for Patrick. And, of course, you know, the uh, Charger killer and Travis Kelsey once again has another humongous game against them and reminds everyone that, you know, Derwin James is a really good safety, arguably one of the best, if not the best. Um, you know, still can't hold him and still can't keep him quiet. And the Chiefs pull off another great victory in Los Angeles, right? Right. So, um, and it's funny thing is I had some family, family stuff going on that day. So I didn't even get to watch the game until like literally close to the end of the third quarter. Um, and actually I still even had a chance to go back and watch the rest of it uh, for the beginning of it. But I was leading into it, like going into watching it was thinking like it would be, cause I always have this feeling, especially when we play the chargers in LA that like usually late in those, those games, we're down like three points or a touchdown. So I had a feeling at that point, I'm like, when I turned it on, because I even had my phone off, so I didn't even get any updates. So I had a feeling at that point, I'm like, okay, we're probably down by a touchdown or a field goal. And what do I know? I turned it, turn, turn it on, and it was we were like, we were down by a field goal at that point. But um, and it, it's funny because when I turned it on, it's like I don't, I don't even know. Obviously, you know anything before that, the game was good everywhere between that and the end of the game. Uh, there from the end of the third quarter on. But um, yeah, I mean, once again, like you know, obviously Kelsey with his three touchdowns, um. And then, you know, like you said, giving Patrick Mahomes too much time with under two minutes, just you just never do that. Not at least not not right now, um, with how they're dominating. And it was kind of interesting, obviously, because um, I obviously, you know, I'd heard that uh Kadarius Tony went down early in the game, what it was I think his like his second play in, I think, or something like that, that he had um obviously hurt his hamstring. So he was out. I guess I heard Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, he got he went down too as well early. So it was kind of a Pacheco and McKinnon show, which obviously Pacheco had over 100 yards for the first time in his career 
after having, I think, what, 86 yards in the, in the Jacksonville Jaguars game. So that's good to see, obviously, that running game going pretty well um, for that. But um, it was interesting to see that that Kelsey touchdown there at the end was the same play that they ran against them in overtime last year in L.A., and they still couldn't stop it right. So um, it just it tells you how much that uh, Mahomes and Kelsey is like, it really matters – like even during when James was on him, what mostly the whole game until the second half, Kelsey's starting to get away from him. But it just kind of shows you how much those two are just on sync with each other. Like as far as routes, they know where they where each other's going to be. Um, and then Kelsey's athletic ability, it, time and time again, like he's getting older, but it looks like he's getting younger. I mean, doesn't it seem like that to you as well? Oh yeah, I mean the the wiggle that he possesses is still. I mean, it's still arguably the best of a tight end ever. But, yeah, I mean, that's a great point on. It seems like he's getting younger. Um, I think we're just still amazed at a tight end move like that. And, um, yeah, the way he gets by folks is always is always interesting. Right? And then just imagine a dude that big at that speed running at you and you're a 6-foot, 205, 210-pound safety at the most. Right. Um, you know, Derwin James is a big dude, right? But. Um, yeah, that's a lot of guy to tackle. So, so no, yeah, that's a good point. I never, I didn't even think about the fact that he probably does look linger or he keeps looking younger. Yeah, and and like you know, like you kind of mentioned too, um, obviously on the Chargers side, uh, you know, as far as Keenan Allen, you know, when he's healthy, you know, he's still a dominant force. And obviously, Mike Williams came in, but then he got re-injured, so he wasn't a factor in the game. And Mike Williams normally kills us, you know, when he's been in the game. So that was kind of a good sign for you know, kind of when he got. He left the game, you know, for us not having to deal with him. But, um, you know, there was that there was that pass there when they when obviously the Chargers went ahead on that not the last drive but the second to last drive when they took that uh, score ahead 27-23, um, that long pass to Keenan Allen. And I'm like, I think I'd, I said this in the chat too. It was like, why would you have a rookie like Joshua Williams on single coverage when it's a key point in the game? And you know, when that Keenan Allen's in there, even if he's not 100% healthy. They're going to try to go to him because he's obviously one of their focal points of the offense. And I'm like, why would you not try to have a safety on top of that on a rookie cornerback at that um, against him? So, which I think was probably the first time he had actually played against him because I don't think Joshua Williams really played a lot in that that's that first uh, game against Chargers. But I just that that was kind of like my thing. I feel like in key spots in the situation of games, the Chiefs kind of rely too much on single coverage on on, uh, you know, on supreme athletes that probably are way better than what we have on the defensive side. So I, I looked for hopefully, you know, to see that kind of going forward and maybe they try to do something, you know, better on that part. But I don't know, what are your thoughts about it as far as on that? Because I feel like I see that time and time again. Well, I think our Chiefs chat, right, was blown up with why are we playing that kind of a defense and why are we doing that? So at that moment, right, from a matchup perspective. Um, one thing I remember – and, and maybe I don't remember it accurately, right, is Trent McDuffie, I think I remember him being in a slot a lot more, even though we usually try to put him on the right side of the defense. Yeah. And he locks up the ex-wide receiver. But, yeah, I mean, and Keenan Allen on that one, if I'm not mistaken, right, was on – it was essentially in the Y position, right, which is the right side of the offensive formation, left side of the defensive formation, and that's where Williams was, right? And I think it's one of those where – it's more of our scheme and, you know, we keep our corners where they're supposed to, well, not, I shouldn't say where they're supposed to be, but where they are. 
and you know the Chargers took advantage of a matchup. I think it was more a defensive play call an issue with it. You know, being in it seemed like they were in cover one or maybe even a cover zero. I can't remember if we blitzed on that one. Right. But um, yeah, like to me, it's one of those where um, you don't want to play prevent coverage, right? Because prevent prevents you from winning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's too much space. But yeah, you can't really play a single high safety defense in that moment, and we got torched for it. Which, you know, at the end, it obviously it worked on our favor with, you right. know, we have a minute and 46 seconds in Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, a lot of times we, we in the past, we wouldn't have those kind of situations to, you know, either be in that position to have enough time or to come back and win. So we kind of, in, in a way, I, and I wouldn't always say we lucked out because we've seen, you know, Mahomes time and time again doing that. But I would like to see just a little bit of improvement kind of on that. But like you said, I'd have to go back and watch that play a little bit more. It's possible that we did blitz on that play. So we we did rely on that single, um, you know, coverage uh, as far as those uh, that deep pass and whatnot. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of, you know, what they kind of do, you know, going forward. But I will say, you know, surprisingly up till now, they for the most part, yeah, there's been plays where Joshua Williams got burnt, especially like the Bills game or um, so on and so forth. But for the most part up until now, they played pretty decent. I mean, obviously McDuffie, when he's been back since injury, uh, he's played up to the par of what we thought when we drafted him. But um, some of these other guys that stepped in, like Watson and Williams, I think overall they've you know they've stepped in you know pretty well. They haven't. They're not as unreliant that we probably thought of some past cornerbacks that we've had. But you know, so far for the rookie year, I think some of those guys have played pretty decent ball. Well, yeah, and they're late round rookie years, right? Or late yeah. round draft picks. And yeah, to your point, it's not like they are constantly messing up to where everyone's like, oh, they're a big liability on the defense. I mean, they're, they're getting better week by week, and every corner gives up receptions, right? right. So um, yardage and all that stuff doesn't matter as long as points are on the board, and we've done well with that. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a fun group to see how they keep developing over the next few years, including McDuffie. So right. uh, even though he is a high-round pick. Right. All right. So going into obviously now um, with uh, the Rams game later here today uh, for our week 12 uh, preview, obviously the game back at Arrowhead. It's another late start game. So it's another 325 uh, game uh, against the Rams. I'll uh, guess we send it to you, Rich, for inside the numbers between both teams. Yeah, it's funny because you look at the time for this game. I mean, like the NFL definitely thought this was going to be a much better yeah, with TV the Super game, Bowl. right? Super Bowl, um, match, yeah. But uh, it's not the case because the Rams are not very good this year, right? So talking about the Rams, they are three and seven, um, and the Chiefs entered this game at eight and two. Um, going over some of the, <laughs> so this is funny, right? Matt Stafford, Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, and Daryl Henderson are all leading the way um, for the Rams, but none of them are available, right? Because Henderson is no longer on the team. And then Cooper is out for the year, and then staff is hurt. So let me give you some, I guess you I guess you can say uh, next best stats. Um, I don't know if that's a if, there you if go. That's the right ver- verbiage. Second but, next gen stats. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because um, John Walford, I guess I'm still in some of your thunder, right? The uh, backup quarterback shouldn't be playing. So Bryce Perkins is the quarterback. That should be leading the way for the Rams, right? And he has thrown, let me see here if I'm looking at this right, six passes out of 11, right? So he's 
completed six passes out of 11. His yardage is 61. Um, and there's no interceptions, no fumbles. So, yeah, he hasn't done much, right? The quarterback. Um, I mean, he's a Thurston quarterback. That's how it should be. So, we're going up against a Thurston quarterback. Darren Henderson was the um, was barely the leading rusher for the Rams, which is crazy that um, they only have 283 yards. But that just kind of reflects some of their offensive line problems that they had. He has now been shipped off to Jacksonville. And Cam Akers, who is the, I guess, rekindled running back, right, that they have now, since uh, they tried to trade him away and said, oh, never mind, we'll keep you. Now he's going to be getting most of the carries, right? So he has... Um, 76 attempts, 237 yards, and only one touchdown. Um, not much in the air with two receptions for 18 yards, right? So not much productivity for the running back group um, there in Los Angeles. And receivers-wise, Cooper Cup is their all-star, Mr. Everything, right? He hasn't had the greatest years, and then, you know, ending with some injuries. So you could say the next best guy or the next most productive guy is Tyler Higbee. Um, you know, they're tied in, right, with 48 receptions, 430 yards, and then Allen Robinson with 33 catches and 339 yards. So, uh, well, Allen Robinson does have three touchdowns. So, yeah, it's a very beat-up group offensively, and, and that's not even just talking about the, all the offensive line problems they've had with injuries and just performance. And Allen Robinson really took, what, four games in, what, four or five games in to get going? So, technically, right. that he's a struggle, too. Yeah, for sure, so... Um, yeah, the Rams are beat up in, in every way possible. Um, so let's talk about some of their overall team numbers, right? So the Rams are 29th in the NFL with 16.8 points scored per game. On defense, they allow 22.7, so that's 17 best. They're about midway um, through NFL rankings. Passing yards are at 211 per game, which is 20th, 76 on the ground, which is the worst running game in the NFL. And then defensively, from a passing yardage perspective, they're about midway. Um, they allow 266, 216 on in the year, which is 17th best. And then defensively, you would think, you know, with Aaron Donald type of uh, defender, they are fourth best in the NFL, only allowing 95 rushing yards per game. So, um, But from a rushing perspective, it's off by a yard or two, right, from number one to, like, number 10. So um, very, very small amounts of difference. Chiefs, of course, are the best scoring offense in the NFL at 30 points per game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they're still the only offense in the NFL at 30 points per game. Um, their defense is at 23.3. That's how many yards or how many points they allow, which is 21st. And then, of course, right from passing yardage perspective, they have 314, which is first best. The wrestling yardage is getting better now with 114 in the NFL at 18th best. Defensively, they are two, uh, 26 in the NFL with 248 allowed in the air. And then on the ground, kind of like I mentioned earlier, right, a few yards separate the top 10. Chiefs are the fifth best rushing defense in the NFL with 100 yards. So um, really it's from a, from a stats perspective, I think the most important stat is the one you're going to talk about, which is injuries. So I'll turn it over to you on that. Right. So, all right. So going into what the Chiefs have going in for injuries this week, which if I can get this pulled up right, for some reason it wouldn't want to pull up right correctly. All right. So going into it, we obviously have 
Um, Kadarius Tony, which would, uh, obviously he got hurt in that Chargers game with that hamstring injury. Um, he did not practice all week, so he is out this week. And we do have a couple of uh, players that are questionable. One is uh, Joe Thune at the uh, guard position. There he had a, he has had an ankle injury. Uh, didn't practice both Wednesday and Thursday, but was limited on Friday. So he's listed as questionable. Uh, I, I can't see him probably missing this game, so I would expect him to play. Uh, Juan Hor- uh, Ron Thornhill left the game early against the Chargers with the calf injury. When limited in practice both Wednesday and Thursday and did not practice on, at all on Friday. So that one I would think was probably more of a game time decision. See if he if he is going to go. If not, I could see uh, the rookie Brian Cook playing more spot at the safety spot. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Chris Lamonts, who had a concussion back in the uh, Jacksonville game uh, there on special teams. Fully practiced both Wednesday and Thursday and did not on Friday. So he's listed as questionable as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he ends up uh, playing. And uh, on a notable note, um, obviously, um, Lucas Niang uh, fully practiced all this week. Uh, but I think we had – I can't remember. Who was the guy that we played right tackle last week? Was it still um, – was it Wiley or we did have somebody else? I couldn't I couldn't even remember. Yeah, I mean, I remember Wiley. I know – I couldn't remember if uh, Prince played at all on a right tackle against the Chargers game or not. I wasn't really paying too close attention. No, I think it that. was just Wiley. Okay, it was just Wiley, so he was back from injury. So, so yeah, Niang's back there, it looks like, just in case, because he's now officially um, on the roster. But uh, he's obviously there for, you know, death purposes. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, if they still keep Wiley going forward or if they change it up or not. But um, I would think until he kind of struggles or get hurt again, I, I guess I don't see them making – um, that change unless he's having a terrible, you know, game for that. But outside of that, um, looks like we are healthy. I mean, obviously still have um, Hardman um, on IR, so he's still got a couple of weeks before he comes back. But uh, good news is, uh, I guess probably the best news, um, is Juju Smith-Schuster uh, did practice all this week from that concussion we mentioned in the Jacksonville Jag game. So he is good to go. So um, that is actually a good sign for us on that end. And I know Chris Jones didn't practice on Friday because he had an illness, but they said that he should be fine and uh, we'll play on Sunday. Or, or sorry, today. Um, and then um, going into for the Los Angeles Rams, which for some reason the Chiefs never updated their injury report, which I thought was really weird. They normally do. But um, I obviously quarterback Matthew Stafford um, is obviously out again um, for this game. And I think... I saw something this morning that he might they, – they don't not exactly sure how long he's going to be out for, but um, obviously he's definitely out uh, today. Uh, let's see, Allen Robinson, who had an ankle injury, uh, was limited in practice all week, so he is listed as questionable. Uh, their backup quarterback, John Wolford, which you kind of mentioned, um, he had that neck injury, limited on Wednesday and practiced on full on Friday, so he'll be good for the backup. Um, for today, and it looks like Brian Allen, one of their, um, I think it might be their center, uh, thumb had a th- thumb injury, didn't practice all this week, uh, all this week, so he is listed as out. Uh, Traven Howard, one of their linebackers, has a hip injury. He was limited to practice and didn't practice on Friday. He is out, and then also uh, Sean Robinson, one of the defensive tackles, has a knee injury, didn't practice all week, and he is out as well. So obviously. 
Um, you know, with the Rams, uh, with their season, it's been pretty much a history of a lot of uh, injuries this year, obviously, you would say. Um, obviously, as a team is, you know, kind of struggling on both sides of the ball. So, um, obviously, looking good as far as, um, you know, on the Chiefs, as far as some of their injuries that they have out. But it's always nice to see, always nice to always have the other team have be healthy to kind of play against. But it's definitely not looking like this week um, against uh, um, against us anyway. So, we'll have to kind of see how that goes. But, yep, that is pretty much on the injury front um, for the game today. So, um, I guess on to our keys to the game. What are you expecting on offense, Rich? I mean, on offense, I think it's, you know, controlling Aaron Donald as much as you can, right? Um, or I shouldn't just say Aaron Donald, even though he's, let's say, a beast, right, and the monster uh, that he is. I think it's more about just – Patrick doing what he does well. Um, how will the offensive line protect Patrick? Um, you know, I think expect a lot of Mahomes magic. And I think Kelsey could have another monstrous game. I expect over 100 yards, probably two touchdowns in this game, just because it's set up that way, right? I mean, Jalen Ramsey will – I don't think they'll put Jalen on Travis Kelsey, but um, – Let's say whoever lines up out on that side, right, you can kind of count on them to you – know, let's just say for it to be a little bit more difficult, even though he has Dylan Ramsey and hasn't had, hasn't had the best year um, right. so far, right? But, um, yeah, for me it's just continuing the same type of offensive play that they have been doing. The Rams are a good rushing um, defense. But, um, you know, how can the Chiefs establish a run, keep Isaiah Pacheco playing well? And then, like I said, really just take advantage of whatever coverage is set up versus Travis Kelsey. So they get another, I think, to be honest with you, I think it'll be another big game for the Chiefs. And not so much because the Chiefs are going to have very easy success versus their defense. But I think it's because the defense will be out on the field a lot because the Rams offense won't be able to do much. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, for me, the, the key is consistent with what it's been, right? It's. Um, you know, Patrick be Patrick, Patrick find Travis. What other playmakers are, are going to step up, right? Whose day is it going to be? Um, and then really, can we keep the momentum going with Isaiah Pacheco? Yep. And to your last point about uh, Pacheco, that was kind of my point is, you know, hopefully continuing to see, um, you know, the progression of him, um, you know, as far as on the last two games, like I said, about 80, over 80 yards. Um, against the Jags, and then over 100, obviously, first time square last week. So, yeah, hopefully they continue on that run game. And this is, uh, to be honest, so the Chiefs offense versus the Rams defense is probably the key point of the game because um, the Rams offense versus the Chiefs defense might not be as fun to watch, obviously, um, with the injuries on their offensive front. But this will probably be the most part of the you know time to watch. But as you were saying, I think I could still see you know the, the uh, Chiefs offense still having their way pretty much against the Rams defense, even though, you know, they still have the big heavy hitters, you know, Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner, Aaron Donald, um, you know, and Jalen Ramsey, you know, they're still obviously healthy. But, um, yeah, I still consider it seeing that the Chiefs are probably going to have a pretty big day on offense. But like you kind of mentioned, like I said there in the end, hopefully continue to have, um, you know, that run game as well. Maybe see a little bit of Ronald Jones in, in today as well. We'll see how that goes with um, Clyde edwards um obviously being um, inactive. But uh, we'll have to see and see, uh, uh, you know, obviously how that run game goes. So um, on the defensive front, what you got uh, for today? 
I mean, I think it's pretty clear, right, is you make it as hard as can be for a third-string quarterback, right? So I expect a ton of blitzing. I mean, the Rams' offensive line has been terrible all year. Um, so for me, that's the biggest thing, right, is how difficult do you make the quarterback's life, which I understand that is always the case, right? But when it's the third one on the depth chart, that's what the goal should be, right, is to make it as hard as possible for him. And you don't do it by dropping in coverage and trying to have him fit throws in. You make it by applying a ton of pressure versus an already bad offensive line and make it really, really difficult for him to even set his feet and get any throws off, right? I'm sure he'll have success here and there, but at the end of the day, um, I see it being a very difficult day. <laughs> Let's expect the Jarius need to have maybe a sack or two, right, or, or any other of our defensive backs off the edge. But, yeah, really, it'll be interesting to see what the blitz percentage for defensive play calls is going to be after this game, right? Because um, I'm sure Spagnuolo is dialing up blitz. Blitz is nonstop. So key for the game for me is to make the third-string quarterbacks a life hell. And that's, I mean, it's pretty simple. I'm not even going to uh, say anything more on that because it's pretty much kind of how it's going to be. But, uh, you know, along with you, I kind of expect – I'm going to say at least about four to five sacks today um, and then probably a few turnovers I'm expecting just because of uh, third string quarterback. And just like I said, now they're, you know, back to Cam Akers as a running back. Uh, the wide receiver core is kind of depleted at the point. So, um, you know, kind of, yeah, I do expect the Chiefs just kind of cause havoc there with that third string quarterback, even though I will say it, it happens, and Chiefs fans know this too, that it happens a lot whenever there's a new quarterback that comes in and the Chiefs, you know, make him play pretty well. But I'm hoping this won't be the case because normally that's with second-string quarterbacks as a third-string. So I'm hoping this won't be the case and we have a pretty, you know, relatively easy day on defense. But I will say it should be fun to watch as far as on Chiefs fan on the defensive front. But, um, yeah, I expect pretty much the same. So going into our game prediction, um, obviously it's interesting this far into year, not only – um, you know, the Rams are Super Bowl contenders, and I know obviously they've had, you know, we've discussed so many times that they had so many injuries, but they're 14 and a half point uh, underdogs, uh, which is kind of crazy to consider this team won the Super Bowl last year, but that's obviously not the same team you're seeing. Uh, but being, you know, 14 and a half underdogs um, and just kind of judging on, you know, what each team has. I mean, I kind of, I don't have it being close. I have, I have the Chiefs winning 41-17. But um, I think that's that's probably relatively close to probably what it in the will be. But what do you have, Rich? What's funny is I looked up these scores, you know, for these last matchups, and we've played them in 2018, right? It's not going to be that kind of a game. That is, right. that sucks. But um, before that, we played them in 2014. Chiefs beat them 34 to seven. In 2010, Chiefs beat them 27 to 13. Uh, 2006, 31 to 17, and then 2002, 49 to 10. Chiefs. So the Chiefs have. Won four out of five last matchups, Rams being the most recent winner, right, with that game in Los Angeles. That was going to be in Mexico City. It's nowhere near going to be the case in this one. So I'm 100% on board with Chiefs being in the high 30s, could get into the early 40s. And I think you're being generous on giving the Rams 17 points, right? I think, <laughs> right. I, I guess I could see them scoring – a touchdown and a field goal or maybe two field goals, right? Maybe a, a 13 or 10 score. But I'm going to go with Chiefs 38, Rams 13. I'll go with that one. 
So we're not far off from each other, right? No. Four point difference, far. I think, both ways. Well, it's funny because you said you, you're, I'm generous with 17, but you're giving them 13. But yeah. I see what you're saying. But yeah, it's, I mean, 13 probably, to be honest, is probably generous as well. I mean, yeah. obviously, I think 10 might be more close. But yeah, um, but yeah, we'll have to, we'll definitely see. But yeah, I, I think we both agree it's easy two touchdowns, if not almost three. All right. Well, yeah, yeah pretty I mean, much three. Because if you think about it, right, like how many times in the NFL is a third string quarterback successful with an already bad offensive line? Missing yeah. the best offensive target. Allen Robinson is good, but he hasn't been great. Um, I mean, their defense is good, right? Which that could complicate it, and maybe that's what. But the Rams' biggest problem is they're the first, like, 20, I guess you can say, like, 20, 22 for sure. They're, they're starting lineups on both sides are good, and that's where they've invested all of their money and draft picks and all that stuff in the last few years, right? And that's why they have no draft picks is because they trade for – really good players, but they have no debt. And so in this right. situation when you're as injured as they are, their second and third string players are bad compared to most NFL teams that have a little bit more depth, like the Chiefs, right? Correct. Maybe the Chiefs don't have a ton of stars, but they have depth um, to where they can go one to two deep at each, well, at the positions that you mostly rotate in. So, yeah, I just, on paper, it doesn't sound like it's going to be anywhere near close to, or sorry, anywhere near a close game. Um, but I guess in typical podcast jinx, right? Why should be a close game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the thing of it is, you know how the Chiefs play prevent defense on the end. So, I mean, who knows what could end up happening? But it'd be nice to see the Chiefs get a little bit of a nice win, as they probably should um, right. this week. But we'll have to see how how that one goes. Should have flexed it to a noon game. They really should have. I don't think they. <laughs> you can't do that, but I know you can't. But it's it's like they really. Yeah, which, speaking of, obviously the Chiefs play the Broncos next week on Sunday Night Football, and I think they have to do it two weeks in advance. So um, I think that one's still on to go, which I thought was interesting because I thought there there was an allotment on how many prime team primetime games um, a team can have. So I don't know what's up with that. I guess unless they don't include they don't include Thursday night, so now the Chiefs are at the max. But I thought I thought I actually thought they were actually going to flex out that game just because the Chiefs versus Denver isn't as good of a matchup as you would have thought, obviously, when the season started, or at least most people would have, would have said anyways. Um, so that's very interesting to see that we'll we'll have one more uh, primetime game, obviously, next week. I think that's the last one. I don't think we have any others that I can remember, but I think that's the last one of the season. But yeah, um, speaking of flexing, yeah, if you could flex three twenty five. In noon games, uh, this one probably should have been one that they did for. Right. So heading into our final thoughts um, for today, kind of just kind of go over real quick our kind of mid-season, or actually you'd say even more so um, where we're at at this point in the year, um, uh, awards that we kind of give out. So kind of starting with MVP, um, you know, not to be biased. I know this is a Chiefs podcast, and we you know we only talk Chiefs, but I think anybody around the league right now can kind of mostly agree that Patrick Mahomes is right now would win MVP um, no matter what. But um, if you had to look at other guys, uh, I think obviously I had uh, two there at um, two, uh, you know, there for number two, because obviously he only missed what, like one and a half games basically. Um, and in those times that he did play, he played well um, and still has, you know, played pretty well, but he, there's like, those are like my one, two, um, I guess you could throw Derrick Henry and Josh Allen out there as like a 3A, 3B type of situation. 
Um, even though running backs are kind of hard to, um, you know, not really get MVPs. It's mostly a quarterback award. There, but those will mostly go to offensive player of the uh, of the year for rushing and receiving. But what are your thoughts as far as MVP? I mean, you think it's it's pretty much obviously right now it's clear as Patrick Mahomes, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, and right now is the key terms you use there, right? Because before you could argue Josh Allen, I think Tua being hurt, uh, you know, took him out of it for a bit, but he's definitely climbed right back into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Patrick has been the most consistent. He leads the league in several categories, uh, you know, number one team in the AFC. So it's definitely Patrick Mahomes' trophy at the moment. And, yeah, you're really just being controversial or a homer for whatever, if you're a Dolphins or a Bills fan, if you're right. saying it isn't right. Right. What are your thoughts as far as offensive player of the year right now? So offensive, um, you know, I think it's it's funny, right? It's a race between two Chiefs, well, one former Chiefs player, I think. Um, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I think those two lead the way. But Justin Jefferson is coming into the conversation um, he's been great all year. I mean, he had a one or two games where he was off, um, but just how well he's been playing over the last few weeks uh, and, you know, what he did in the Bills game really catapulted him up there. So um, I think Travis will probably end up with the best resume for it. Um, but I think Mahomes and Kelsey enter that LeBron James type of um, – consideration where they're everyone's so used to them being so good that they're like oh well you know it's nothing uh, it's nothing out of the ordinary and an mvp should be out of the ordinary so um so yeah for me i still would give it to travis kelsey with tyree kill being a close second and then like Je and justin jefferson maybe overtaking them by the end of the year just because the, you know the vikings really need Justin Jefferson to play at an amazingly high level to right. to uh let's say cement their one of the top spots in the NFC. Yep. No, I can't argue with that. I think those those are pretty much where I would land on with mine. And then maybe like I said, throwing in Henry in there too as well. Um uh with being there probably number four, but I I I don't see it in it being anybody other than Kelsey or probably Tyreek Hill at this point, which it's kind of a win-win for Chiefs fans on on some point, just because obviously Tyreek Hill used to play for Kansas City, so I think either one of them winning would be pretty pretty nice. But uh, I think both of them are pretty much uh, you know deserving uh, for that. Yeah, I mean Travis uh, Kelsey as a tight end right is what in the top was it six? So he's in yeah. the top six of receptions from a yardage perspective. He is in the top. Five, one, two, three, four, six. He's in the top six from a yardage perspective. He is in the top one, right, for touchdowns. So, I mean, that's a tight end, right? Now, mm -hmm. look at anybody else that's consistently in those categories. I mean, of course, like I said, Travis, uh, or sorry, Terry Kill. Right. Justin Jefferson. Like one more thing. I think Stefan Diggs might be up there too, right? But yeah, yeah I mean, he's number three in receiving yeah. yards. Yeah, over a thousand already. Yep. So Diggs Tyreek would be probably Justin. top five. Yeah, I mean, and he and he leads. Stefan Diggs has more touchdowns than both Hill and um, and Jefferson. But yeah, I think that kind of again proves more. I guess you could you could even make a case for Stefan Diggs, right? Is um, mm -hmm. you actually I mean, could. he's up there in 
in receptions. He's got eight touchdowns, which is the third best in the NFL from a receiving perspective. So, man, you could say Stephon, if you really, really look at the numbers, I mean, you could make more of a case for Stephon Diggs over Tyreek Hill or even Justin Jefferson because of those touchdowns. I agree. Because, yeah, in the situations he's been in, too, as well, as far as if you look at the wins that Buffalo has gotten, I think he's probably had a little bit more of an impact than those two. Oh, yeah. As well. So um, I, I could definitely see that as well. So going into uh, Defensive Player of the Year, um, obviously, um, there's a couple of different ones here. I mean, obviously, the Chiefs in a running of kind of sweeping those three awards. We you obviously want to put Chris Jones in there because he's had, you know, quite of a season, not only ta- tackles, sacks, pressures, but he's having, obviously, um, an all-pro year this year. But you could also throw in there with uh, uh, Mick, uh, Mika Parsons as well with the 12 sacks and even uh, Matthew uh, Judon with his 13 sacks as well. But who do you think as far as, you know, might run away um, with that award or close enough to getting that? Yeah, I think this one is very close because, I mean, there are weeks where, let's say, Matt Judon is great for that Patriots defense. They are a really good defense. Um, they have to make up for a lot of what the offense can't do right and keep games tight. Um, Nick Bosa is second best in the NFL with 10.5, and he could get up the right because that that 49ers team is just getting better and better every week. Micah, we've we've been so used to Micah Parsons doing well since his rookie year. He is the, arguably the most important player on that Dallas Cowboys defense. He's very versatile too. So I think the versatility helps Micah the most because, um, you know, he not only does, let's say, is well with getting pressures on the quarterback, um, does well with getting pressures on the quarterback, right, and getting sacks, but um, he can also cover every now and then and uh, because he was, he was an actual linebacker in college, right, not just a pass rush. Uh, pass rusher so um so yeah i think that one is a little bit more wide open because if you look at it usually goes by sacks right it usually goes by who right. has the most sacks yeah got judah and bosa parsons and you got max crosby raiders are terrible um so you can't give it to someone whose team is terrible alex highsmith from the from the steelers is i mean steelers are you know on the lower end of the rankings perspective but then Justin Houston and Chris Jones are tied with nine, right? Chris Jones is on one of the best teams in the NFL. His impact, um, you know, is felt a lot more, right, on the Chiefs defense. His, right. his impact yeah. is up there with Parsons, Bosa, and Judon. So I think at the end of the day, um, to me, it would probably go to Parsons um, initially just because of how much he does for that defense. Maybe Judon and Chris Jones come in in second. Bosa was hurt. Um, for a little bit, right? But That's I think true. at the end yeah. of the year, it'll be this one will be a lot harder, I think, than maybe what the offensive player may be. I think the offensive player, somebody will keep taking off as they have been, and, and that might be somewhere, you know, between Diggs, Kelsey, and Hill. Yeah, this one will definitely be, I think, the most close uh, one to watch out of all the ones that we're pretty much mentioning uh, for today. But, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of exciting cause, because defensive players, this is there's always – Sometimes it can be so close with stats and, and um, a lot of them, right? They are right there. It's just kind of – it's not as clear cut, like you said, on, on the offense side. Yeah, and I would love for it to be um, – you know, I would love for some safety or some corner to win it, right? Because, um, you know, the days of Ed Reed and Trent Palomalu winning those things yeah. really are kind of past it. Um, Nika Fitzpatrick was my initial um, – let's say maybe defensive player of the year, but the Steelers just haven't been getting, he's been beat up, right? So, right. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll come down to whoever has the most sacks. 
All right, so on to offensive uh, rookie player of the year. Uh, who do you got as far as on that? So we talked about this beforehand, right? We talked about is it Damian Pierce? Is it Kenneth Walker? Kenny Pickett is playing better, but I think he's got a long way to to catch up to. I, mean, I, I guess we could say Kenneth Walker now, right? So for me, I think at this moment, Kenneth Walker is probably the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, because, I mean, Damian Pierce, I mean, even though he's probably up there with Kenneth Walker, he's playing on a Texans team that hasn't been playing yeah, pretty so. well. Where Kenneth Walker, obviously, you know, with Geno Smith, which, you know, Geno Smith is probably at this point, probably, you know, comeback player of the year easily, right? He's, I think right. as long as he consistently plays decent the rest of the year, he wins that like automatically. Um, so with both of those two guys on there and how well the, the Seahawks been playing, I th- and I think the what, aren't they leading the division right now, if not top wild card spot? So, yeah, um, I yeah, I think they're pretty much a lock. I will say, even though he probably won't win it because he came on so late, my sleeper would be George Pickens just because of um, how well he's picked up that offense because now that Kenny Pickett has took over as starting quarterback for the Steelers, um, you know, he's consistently been playing almost even better, you could say, each week as he's played. But I think it's because he started so late and the Steelers still aren't obviously aren't that good of a team. Um, you know, obviously he'll he'll probably will finish, you know, maybe three or four. But um, obviously he's, you know, he's had a pretty decent season as of late, especially with yeah, and for me, the, Claypool going to the Bears. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, and like he's someone that I really wanted the Chiefs to go after, especially in the second round. But um, Chris Olave from the Saints, right, is probably the only other one. I think the fact that his quarterbacks are terrible have really hurt his chances. But he's been very, very productive, and it's, at the moment, their number one wide receiver, right, since uh, Michael Thomas is out for the year again. And then Jarvis Landry is um, hit or miss on availability. So Chris Olave, I think, is maybe – he's right up there, maybe right underneath both Kenneth Walker and Damian Pierce for me. Yep, I'd see him being there uh, right there as well. Um, so on the defensive rookie player of the year, I think we well, – obviously we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think we're kind of on a consistent basis that Sauce Gardner, uh, cornerback for the New York Jets – um, is pretty much has a lockdown, at least for right now. Um, his 44 tackles, 13 passes defended, um, and his two interceptions. Um, you know, you could also make a, an argument for um, Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, um, who um, is on the Detroit Lions, who's had, um, you know, relatively good NFL rookie years too as well. But I think right now for me, I think it's Sauce Gardner. Who do you think, uh, Rich? Yeah, I think it's uh, without a doubt a Sauce Gardner award to lose at the moment his impact to that Jets defense has just been great I mean and he's locked down some really good wide receivers right I mean even just when they beat the the Bills just playing those wide receivers um, I think it makes it the most sense so yeah I think we'd be talking ourselves out of Sauce Gardner if we said anyone else All right for sure um they kind of just like throw a wrench in there I guess you would say what would you say as far as um as said, best coach this year or coach of the year. That's funny. I was just going to – if you didn't throw it in there, I was going to throw, throw it in. Right. So, coach of the year is weird, right? Because you expect Andy Reid to be good. When Belichick, you know, the pitchers are doing amazing. He rarely didn't win it. Well, I guess he did, but they always seem to give it to the coach that you didn't expect was going to be good, right? Like, who's done an above-average coaching job? Um, because at the end of the day, like Sean McVay said, uh, last year, I think they asked him because I think he won it last year. Um, 
is Bill Belichick should win it every year, right? Or Andy Reid should win it every year. But for me, I think when you go, you know, when you keep that dramatic thought process on the, the guy that's doing the most with the little so you can tell it's a little bit more coaching than anything, I – I would almost have to say Brian Dable just because, I mean, I thought the Jets were going to be terrible. I thought the Jets were going to be right. maybe win three games, right. right? And he's managed to make Daniel Jones suitable. I, I don't think they're going to stay, you know, with him or keep him in, in a franchise quarterback type slot. Um, they have no wide receivers. They just lost their second round wide receiver in Wendell Robinson right to an ACL. Their defense is balling. They they play pretty good, right, with Kayvon Thibodeau and a couple of other guys. So I think Brian Dayball would be my instant pick just because of how bad the Giants were projected to be. But I think the other sleeper, and maybe this will end up being more realistic because I think the Vikings will finish higher, is Kevin O'Connell, right? I think he's exactly what that offense and that team needed. Their defense is stepping up and playing better. And so um, I think the Vikings will end up either first or second in the NFC. And Kevin O'Connell will probably end up winning the Coach of the Year. So I had Kevin O'Connell, but just because I want to be a little different um, and just, just kind of a little surprising, even though, uh, you know, the R-Ty was division, I kind of just mentioned them. But I thought I got the Pete Carroll in there um, just because uh, for having um, yeah, Geno Smith and the rookie running back, Kenneth Walker, kind of uplift, uplifting that offense and then the defense, you know, slowly been kind of coming together. Not obviously as great as defense we've seen them um, in years past, but their defense is still pretty good. Um, it's just kind of impressive to kind of see them losing one of their franchise quarterbacks and, um, you know, and pretty much all that mess that came along with that recently. And then for them to kind of bounce back and have a, you know, relatively – I would say above average year so far at six and four, I'd have to give it Pete Carroll. My other one would be, and I know it's it kind of, I wouldn't say favoritism, but because they are nine and one, you know, maybe the Eagles coach, um, Nick's, uh, what's his name, Nick? Um, Sirianni. Sirianni, yeah. I would I would kind of say like maybe him too as well. Yeah, but um, so, but I mean, I, I was going to go with Kevin O'Donnell or Kevin O'Connell as well with the Vikings because that's a pretty good one too. But um, I think all of them are pretty much good choices, but. Um, if I had to pick one right now, I'd probably say for me it'd be Pete Carroll. That makes sense too, because I mean the Saints are also projected to be terrible, right? Maybe top five pick in the NFL, um, and they could arguably win their division, right? If San Francisco doesn't overtake them, so right, that makes sense. Yep. All right, so that actually will conclude um, today's edition of the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. We'll actually be back here with our recap of the Chiefs and Los Angeles Rams Week 12 matchup here shortly. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast, and go Chiefs!